Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Laura Oldani from Rich and Resilient Living. Laura is a wealth coach, but not your ordinary one. She's a socially conscious wealth coach. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so yes, what she does is she helps her client with investment decisions that have positive impacts on their financial bottom line, as we are used to, but as well that offer positive impacts or returns on people and our planet. Laura will explain this concept in detail so we can understand it better and we will explore how we can impact the people in our communities, our planet and our profits by making relatively small switches in our financial habits. This holistic way of looking at investing was a bit new to me I must say, but as you will listen to our conversation it will all make sense. This episode is for you if you want to manage your finances and reach financial independence with a more conscious and sustainable approach. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm very, very well and delighted to be here with you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yes, I'm excited to have you. We will talk about something we really didn't touch upon, I mean, briefly on other, with other guests, but here we will go quite in details on how to manage your money in a sustainable way or maybe more conscious way, socially conscious way. You run a blog, richandresilientliving.com, and you're a wealth coach, a socially conscious wealth coach. So can you explain us a little bit what that means, a socially conscious wealth coach? What do you do, actually? <laughs> so, yes, I help people align their money with their values, um, those that um, like me. So I guess let me go into my backstory. Sure. And, and that, that will help a little bit because I just help people do what I've figured out how to do. I, you know, have always been interested in sustainability and oriented towards the simple things like changing out to more efficient shower heads and light bulbs. But as I looked at the um, socially, even socially responsible investing options that were available to me through the stock market, it still didn't feel like it was aligning as much with my values and what I'd like to see happen and how I want to use my money to solve problems instead of continuing to exacerbate them. And when I say that, I'm largely thinking about, you know, some of our major environmental challenges and even social challenges. And so there's a lot more going on in this realm of socially responsible investing than people realize. And so I, I help people learn about it and think about how they can um, start directing more of their money to it. And also I work on lifestyle. I'm really interested in sustainable living and looking at wealth more broadly beyond money. And so how do we look at other things as forms of wealth? I think sometimes you know, money and financial capital is pr pretty fragile and can be even speculative. But if we're looking at our, um, you know, material capital and living capital and social capital, that's a lot more resilient. And we can think holistically about how we build wealth. And that's what I try to help people do. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's a very broad and uh, as well, yeah, it's a bit new to us and to me. Is that a bit similar to the, this trend that's been going on for a couple of years in the finance industry, the ESG investing and the ESG funds? Uh, ESG, I think it stands for environment and uh, sustainable and the governance, or is it social governance? Is that a bit, do I need to see that as aligned with that? Yes, I would say that the ESG and the SRI are kind of the the stepping stone to what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So that is the kind of the low hanging fruit in this pursuit of building wealth outside of Wall Street. I mean, you can build the wealth inside Wall Street, but I'm going even further looking at opportunities, uh, investing opportunities that are outside of Wall Street and in local economies. Mm -hmm. and other places and is this way of investing just from because here we talk a lot about investing in general in the stock markets dividend stocks and as well alternative options and is that a way to to make an impact in the world i mean a positive impact but then do you yeah. are you then reducing your uh, return on investment all right so that's a that's a lot to to go through there so very good <laughs> The research is showing more and more that um, these SRI and ESG funds that are those low-hanging fruit in this type of investing are producing comparable returns to conventional investing options from, from what I've heard and read. Obviously, you know, this type of investing, this more this impact investing approach or alternative investing approach is unfolding as we speak. So the research and the returns aren't there, but it, it is a risk, you know, it, but it's also about looking at a broader definition or of return or a broader picture of return on investments. So conventionally, typically we're thinking about a financial return, but if we look at it more holistically, we can think about the, the return on investment of how we are reducing our impact on the planet and potentially, you know, improving our quality of life by reducing our impact, negative impact on the planet or our negative impact on other people. Because when other people thrive, I think we thrive even more and a rising tide lifts all boats. So it's not a bottom line that's as easy to measure. Mm -hmm. As a financial bottom line, but there is this concept of a triple bottom line, which is an accounting framework that businesses apply, but we can also apply it in our own personal finances. And that is looking at people, planet, and profit. Yeah. You know, okay. and equal, you know, measuring all of those when we're thinking about returns. Yes. Okay. That's uh, very good that you mentioned this triple bottom line. I mean, for those who work in the corporate world, or in the finance, in the finance world in general. I mean, bottom line is what we are looking at, uh, you know, the financial results. What am I getting? What, what is my uh, financial performance? Now, the triple bottom line, For do you have a concrete example of how that works? For example, in an investing, I mean, maybe in the stock markets or maybe in real estate, how would that work? How do I need to see that? I'm going to give an example right off the top of my head that is going to hit two of these and at least um, doesn't have a negative impact on the other. So one alternative investment I've made is I'm here in the United States is in initiative called um, that's called or a company called American Homeownership Preservation. Mm -hmm. And so what this company does is they 
they buy up distressed mortgages and work with the homeowners, the families, to help keep them in their homes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm earning a return on this investment, and they're using the money to help keep people in their homes. So there is a, a you know, a financial return. There is a, a people return, certainly, because we're helping people stay in their homes. So, you know, then maybe I'll make an, an investment where there is an environmental return. And I have done that. I've invested, you know, in actually, I think one of your more recent guests was the um, Farm Together. Farm Together, yeah. So, you know, there is, there it actually is an example of people, planet, and profit, because you're, especially when um, you're investing in organic farmland that's being, you know, farmed sustainably. So you're getting a financial return. You're getting the environmental return because of these more organic and sustainable practices. And there is a people return because the people are going to benefit from living on a less degraded planet and or having access to good, healthy food. Okay, no, that was very clear, Laura. Thank you for those examples. And for example, let's say, I mean, me <laughs> or any of the listeners, uh, we come to you. I mean, I have my habits. Uh, some of the listeners have their financial habits. Let's say they, uh, they invest in the stock markets. They want to reach fire, maybe. They want to be financially independent. Um, they invest in stock markets and real estate, etc. Now I go to you. What type of clients come to you? Is it people who want to switch their investment to a more sustainable practices and how does that work in uh, yeah in practice with your customer with your clients so i work with two primary audiences mm -hmm. the first one is probably less your audience and that is people who are in the sustainability space in the activist space who have may maybe have a very negative opinion of money and capitalism mm -hmm. and have kept themselves poor and struggling because of it and so I work with them to help recognize that there are these more positive um, ways we can invest and, you know, these neutral personal finance tools we can use to build wealth. And that as we build this wealth um, and cultivate money, we can direct it towards these regenerative and sustainable things that we want to see happen. And then the, the second would be, yes, you know, your audience who is financially savvy, um, and knows the basics of investing, but would like to learn more about what uh, um, socially responsible investing op opportunities even exist. So inside the stock market with the SRI and ESG options, you know, there's there are lots of, um, you know, renewable energy ETFs and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, that you can do within the market, but then also then looking more broadly at what is these really innovative things like AHP, the American Homeownership Preservation, that's just one of many that are percolating out there that we can invest in. And then, you know, people interested in self-directed retirement accounts, which are a very little known tool that people could use to build um, and save up for retirement, but allow for a much wider range of investing options. So, you know, working pe with people to inform them about those things. But then also what I was alluding to when I introduced myself, this broader, more holistic picture of wealth and recognizing the multiple forms of capital that surround us and how do we tap them to, you know, 
create resilience in our lives. I'm really mm-hmm. focused on this concept of resilience, financial resilience and personal resilience. And um, there's so there are so many social and environmental challenges that, that await us that I just I really want to work with people to think about, you know, investing in living capital. Can they plant fruit trees, um, you know, in their yards or in a community garden near them or gorilla planting them? You know, can they learn about foraging so that what I love about these multiple forms, these other forms of capital is they're kind of like the ultimate hedge fund. Mm -hmm. They're a security blanket for us or safety net for us of sorts and just getting people to think more broadly about them. Yeah, it goes back to this triple bottom line as well, indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And very good. And then, for example, I think you you sent me some stuff before and with, with really practical tips uh, on, I will break it down on money management. So you have one on spending, managing our money, and then social responsible investing, which you already uh, kind of introduced. So let's go first to spending. So how can we, for example, in our daily lives, make more conscious choices, more conscious spending choices? I would say that... First and foremost, to really consider if you even need it, if it's Mm -hmm. something that you're going to spend money on. And if it is something that you feel like you need, are there other ways to go about getting it? Obviously, this is a balance of time and stress, and you know we want to be conscious of that. But there may be someone you can borrow the item from. Maybe you are a member of a buy-nothing group. So that would be the first is just to reduce consumption. But if we are going to go out and spend money, then being conscious of um, where we're spending that money. Is there a locally owned business we can get that um, item from and keep the money in our community circulating longer? Is there a business owned by um, you know a person or family of color or someone who's marginalized or disadvantaged that would really benefit from you know you shopping there? Those are a few thoughts. Yeah. And for example, about this buying, of course, in, in this pandemic that we are in, hopefully soon closing or at least uh, reducing, you know, a lot of people bought stuff online. I mean, uh, Amazon, to, not to name them, uh, all short sorts of e-commerce. Uh, what's your view on this? Because then it's, it's true that even here in Luxembourg, I saw like a uh, yeah, bookshop that is kind of closing down. And uh, yeah, it's a bit sad for those uh, uh, businesses that have been in place for 40 years or and other types of businesses what is your what are your views on that so i personally don't shop at amazon mm-hmm. um i try to avoid it i do want to see my local businesses thrive mm-hmm. we all want to live in thriving communities I, I think but if we keep sending our money out of them I don't know how we're going to have that. People want to, you know, work towards financial independence, retire early to spend more time, you know, enjoying life, enjoying their community. But if they're sending all of their money out of it, then I don't know how they're going to achieve that vision in retirement. Mm-hmm. And you talked and before in our previous chat that we had uh, before this uh, episode, you talked about uh, purchasing from B corporations. Can you uh, explain a bit what is a B corporation? 
Sure. So those are um, companies that have gone through a certification process with an organization called B-Lab. And so it's essentially that they're certified to be observing a triple bottom line. Um, mm -hmm. That's not you know, what it says in their official language, but that's pretty much it. But plus, they're meeting some pretty high standards of public transparency and legal accountability. Probably the most well-known example of a B Corporation is Patagonia. So I think people may know, you know, recognize it as a more ethical business, but they may not realize that it has that B Corporation or B Corps, you know, standing behind it. And uh, so the companies and how can I find out? So I need to go to this website, B Lab, you said, to, to find out which companies are, uh, are part of this B Corporations? I believe that is a good resource. You can also just, um, you know, in your search engine of choice, Google, you know, search for B corporations and see what you you get, a list of them. Um, they're smaller and bigger, you know, I think mm -hmm. probably, and I don't know this for sure, I'm not that well versed in B corps, but it may well be that the majority of them are smaller, lesser known businesses. Not They're not all as well known as Patagonia. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I checked myself just to, to look, and then I found some companies. Uh, it's food companies. So there's one is called Alpro. So I don't know if you know that over uh, in the US, but it's a Belgian company and they produce plant-based kind of yogurts and stuff like this, okay. which I actually, I buy. Ah. I'm not vegan, but uh, I, I like those. And then there's the Coffee Ely. Uh, I don't know if you know it. It's a brand. It's a coffee bean brand. Uh, it's Italian. It's very good. It's good coffee. And okay, they just recently got this, uh, I mean, certified from a B-Lab. So I was thinking, oh, well, that's a good idea. Maybe next time I'll buy Ely Coffee instead of uh, another brand, which is, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Move and Pick or Lavazza Coffee. So, I mean, it's a small, for me, it's a small change. It's, it does not, mm -hmm. I mean, it's in, even in my wallet, I don't even think of it. And yeah, maybe it's, it's better to buy from these companies if I can. Uh, so I think it's a good resource. I will link anyway the list in the in the show notes. But yeah, with small changes for you, you can make a, yeah, a better planet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great. Yes. And uh, about managing our money, uh, Laura, we talked before and you mentioned uh, some socially responsible banks and credit cards. So yes. how can we um, how can we find those banks and credit cards? And can you explain a bit how they are socially responsible? Sure. So. I think many people deposit their money in a bank account. Um, you know, they're looking at what's the 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 interest rate on the account, the the savings or savings account or checking account or even the CD. But they're not thinking about that. They, they just presume that their money kind of sleeps at the bank and mm -hmm. that's it. But that money is being funneled out and it's, you know, if it's a major commercial bank, there's a really good chance that it's going to fund some very extractive practices in the fossil fuels industry or that it's being lent out through predatory practices or just supporting things that you may not want your money to be supporting. Mm -hmm. So there are banks that are making an effort to, you know, direct money in ways that are more socially responsible. And one good search engine online or resource online to find those here in the U.S. is called Mighty Deposits. That's a, a, a website people can pull up and look for socially responsible banks here in the U.S. or here in the 
also in the U.S., we have credit unions, mm-hmm. which are often committed, you know, they're based in a local community and they're committed to lending a much larger, if not all of their money out to businesses and individuals in the local community. So again, it's keeping that money circulating locally. It's more likely to be supporting things that people would like to be see their their money supporting. Or we even have here in the U.S. what are called um, CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions. And not all of them are banks, but they are designated by the Treasury and are required to direct this the money that's deposited that they have access to to marginalized and very undercapitalized communities. So, for example, we have the Native American American Development Bank or Native mm-hmm. American Bank here in in the US. And so sometimes you know maybe you don't have enough money to donate but maybe you could open a CD at the Native American Bank and then if that's you know some an issue that is of importance to you you you'll know that your money is being lent out to our Native American population here to start small businesses or to access money for a mortgage to be able to pursue home ownership. And then globally, there's a resource called the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, mm-hmm. so G-A-B-V, and that is a website people can use to find socially responsible banks around the world. I know in Europe, there is a bank called Triodos, T-R-I-O-D-O-S. Yes. I, I don't I don't believe it's in every European country, but it is it's in a, some of them. Dutch, uh, it's a Dutch company. I think they have some presence in some other countries, yeah. Okay. So that's an option as well. And then, so again, similarly to credit cards, you know, with credit cards, what is your money supporting? There, you could get a credit card from one of these socially responsible banks or from a credit union, or here in the U.S., we have Green America, and Green America has an article on their website with a number of credit card options that support, you know, nonprofits with missions, and, you know, they may not be able to come up to offer you the rewards programs, the travel rewards programs that so many people are attracted to, Mm -hmm. but they do often have rewards programs. And again, there are different rewards. There are the reduction in harm to people and planet rewards that come along with these as well. Okay, very good. And I will ask the question, it maybe sounds stupid, but are these banks safe or compared to the more famous names, the bigger brands? In the U.S., these banks are all FDIC insured. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I I regret that I'm not as familiar with this all across the world. But, you know, a lot of people in Australia love Bank of Australia. It's a public bank. And I believe that's a highly reputable bank. Yeah, Triodos is is as well very reputable. So, again, it's a small change, uh, actually. I mean, if you have some money and you want to place it in a bank, I mean, you can choose between, let's say, to, to pick the American example, you can put at uh, Wells Fargo or Bank of America, but maybe you could put at one of these banks and it's very easy. It's, for you, it doesn't change much in your, in your personal life. It's a small switch, but it can make a big impact, a positive impact for um, some communities which uh, are disadvantaged, as you mentioned. So, no, I like it. Maybe I should look at Triodos here if it's available in Luxembourg, who knows? It's, it would not uh, make a big change for me, so why not? Let's see. Let's talk about investing, uh, Laura. You mentioned socially responsible investing. So how can we do that? 
So first, I'm going to even back up before um, talking about specific investments. And I think a lot of this audience is going to be people who are invested in the stock market, yes. you know, mutual funds, direct you know, investment in stocks. And I want to mention shareholder advocacy. Mm-hmm. Because if you are invested in these conventional, as the best word I'm choosing to use for this, kind of the mainstream companies, it, especially if you are a direct investor in these companies, you can exercise your shareholder muscle. And there are several ways that um, you can practice shareholder advocacy. One is through proxy voting. Another is through um, the shareholder resolutions, you know, weighing in on those and also um, just company engagement, making your opinions and preferences known as to regards to company decisions. And even if if you have purchased through mutual funds, you can reach out to the fund manager and let them know that you would like to see um, more decisions being made that are in line with ESG, those environmental social governance practices that you mentioned earlier. And here in the U.S., there is an organization called As You Sow, and that's so spelled S-O-W, As You Sow, mm-hmm. that is a um, leading shareholder advocacy group and can really help you learn about what shareholder advocacy involves and how you can do it. And I know less about shareholder advocacy organizations in Europe, but I do know that there is one called Share Action based in the UK. And I'm not sure if they're only focused on, um, you know, the what's happening in the UK, but that is an option in, in Europe that could be worth investigating as well. So that would be the, the first step is we need people who are still invested in these larger corporations to really be letting them know that we are watching them mm-hmm. and we'd like to see them making decisions that are less harmful to the planet and its people. Mm-hmm. And then I have a direct question because, of course, let's say I invest in a company called uh, Total. It's in France. I mean, I do. Okay, but I have a number of shares, but still, I mean, my voice is very limited. I mean, maybe I have a 0.00008% of the company. You know, I, I will people really hear me instead of uh, bigger shareholders? So that's why it's really helpful to work with these advocacy organizations okay. because they're bringing all of those individual voices together. Okay. Okay, so it has more weight. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. Because I can I can see that working with if you work with a mutual fund manager, maybe that's uh, I think it's maybe easier because as well there's a high focus on that. I mean, I attended the summit in uh, back in October, November, ESG and COVID. These were basically the topics. So I think I think that's a very good way to to push it in that direction. So that would be the the first I guess level mm-hmm. of investing. Or that we would t- start with. And then, so again, staying in the stock market, then we have these SRI and ESG funds. So yes. SRI being socially responsible investing, ESG, as we've already said, environmental, social, and governance funds. And there are more and more of them all the time. And I will admit that 
the minority of my retirement savings is in these particular funds. I have taken the step of moving much of my money outside of the stock market mm -hmm. into a self-directed IRA so that I can invest in these more alternative investments. So I can speak less adeptly to all of the options that exist, but there are many, many SRI and ESG funds and more and more all the time that are, you know, they're even fine tuning themselves. We now have, you know, a social justice oriented fund here in the US. You know, some of them I think are much more focused on the environment, but they're out there. And again, you know, I would say they're the next easiest shift is moving your money. And most of the mainstream brokerages or even employer-based funds now have some kind of SRI or ESG funds that people can move their money into. And, and then Laura, you know, so I hear, of course, you're moved by, uh, I mean, you're uh, passionate about the environment, a sustainable future for a future generation. And that's uh, very important. I think uh, it's it's good that I have you on. I'm glad to to share the to spread the message. Uh, and then what's in um, what's in the future for you? I mean, what what are your plans? Because now you are uh, this uh, you're a coach. You also um, I know you grow uh, some um, fruit, some crops yourself. What is your future? What are your future plans? Actually, what, what do you want to bring to the world or uh, for yourself? I'd really like to teach more. Mm -hmm. I, I have taught some classes with people and I'd like to really combine this personal finance side of building wealth with those multiple forms of capital mm -hmm. and, you know, bringing people together to look at sustainable or even regenerative living as a path to financial independence and, you know, creating, um, income streams based on these other forms of capital and pulling, you know, putting that together and by doing things that people really enjoy and by connecting with each other, really, I think we don't recognize enough the value of social capital. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I think of all the forms of capital, if really things got bad, you know, God, heaven forbid, in our lifetimes or any time. But I think this is so, the social capital could possibly be really the most resilient form of capital if something with all those digits in the computer that represent our dollars ever did disappear. This is very much not a fear-based approach to wealth building. On the contrary, I think nature is a closed loop, no waste, abundance-based model. And so how do we look to nature and those lessons to work together to build that wealth mm -hmm. for ourselves and our communities? And that's what I'm working towards, you know, getting people excited about and thinking about and feeling like they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, great mission. And then maybe a last question, Laura, because, of course, we met through the FinCom community. And of course, I mean, the money is the big topic. And all of its, uh, let's say, variations. Is your topic popular, or do you face resistance? How is uh, how is your um, yeah mission viewed in the community? Let's say. So outside of FinCon, mm -hmm. especially in um, spaces that are really focused on sustainability, it is very welcome, and I think people are just 
you know, struck that someone's thinking about it because they didn't realize it could be thought about this way, um, mm -hmm. money and sustainability. Within FinCon, I would say it's it doesn't rise above the fray mm -hmm. as much for people to have an opinion about it one way or the other. I mean, I have spoken at FinCon on a panel about socially responsible investing. So I think we're slowly making inroads. I don't think there's a negative opinion about it. Mm -hmm. I just think that FinCon is so focused on the mainstream that it doesn't rise above that noise yet. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's make it rise above that level. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no. Very good. So Laura, uh, thank you very much for sharing your story and a few, uh, I think it's full of information. It was short, but it was a very good introduction to, uh, yeah, making a more social uh, conscious money management choices. So thank you very much. And before I let you go, um, yeah, as you know, we always have our three quick fire questions. So are you ready? Yes. Excellent. So uh, first question, well, we talked a lot about it. So what has been your best investment so far? I'm actually going to go for two here if I, I can. Sure, one financial please. and yeah. one quality of life. Yeah. So my first best investment would have to be the house I purchased in Washington, D.C. a while ago. I bought a house in an underappreciated neighborhood that had very few amenities. It wasn't hip, but it was near a, a metro line. And um, it was in a wonderful neighborhood that I really enjoyed, wonderful people. And later I was able, you know, not that much later, within 10 years, I was able to sell it for, you know, double what I paid for oh, it. Cool. <laughs> and that that allowed me to move to a lower cost of living area and, and buy my home outright. Mm -hmm. And so that has set me on a foundation of resilience and, and happiness and security that um, is very important to me. So yes, that would it would be that house. And that, so that's the financial investment. The other quality of life investment, I would say, is my bicycle. I love my bicycle. It's I consider it my joy machine. I live in a little beach town here in Florida, uh, and I am two miles from the beach, a mile from my boyfriend, and I'm riding up and down the roads you know, foraging mangoes and avocados and going to beach yoga and riding the trail, the bike trail to the next largest town. And it's out in the sun and often, and I just, I love it. It makes me happy. I'm not out there cycling in my athletic shorts. I'm just cycling to get where I need to go. And so, yeah, that would be the quality of life investment. Okay. Very cool. I never heard the bike. So I'm always happy to hear new uh, new ways of investing in in the quality of life as well. Excellent. The second question is, do you have a book that you can recommend to anyone? Yes, I would like to recommend a book called Braiding Sweetgrass. And it's by Robin Wall Kimmerer, who is a Native American trained in botany. She's a scientist. And she's a wonderful combination of a really talented writer with scientific knowledge steeped in an indigenous background. It's just such an engaging collection of essays that, you know, is focused on finding the lessons in nature mm -hmm. and presenting it in such a beautiful way. Okay, fantastic. And then the last question is, 
what is the best purchase you've made for under $100? Okay, so I'm going to go again in a different direction <laughs> along the lines of what I was saying earlier about reducing consumption. I'd like to talk about the best thing that I would have paid $100 for that I didn't pay $100 for and in fact got to spark my creativity and joy instead. And that is I needed a shower rod a, a couple of years ago mm -hmm. for my shower curtain. And I just I really didn't want to buy a plastic or metal piece, you know, go out and spend money on it. Resources are used to produce these things. I wasn't able to find it, the uh, one that I liked at a thrift store or a yard sale. And so one day I w glanced outside my window, and again, I'm here in Florida, and I looked at this beautiful slender bamboo growing in my yard. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> it dawned on me, that could be my shower curtain. And so now I have this beautiful, elegant, graceful piece of nature in my bathroom. And it just so happens that, you know, the bathroom is green and brown, so it fits beautifully in there. <laughs> Excellent example. I love it. <laughs> Very cool. So, Laura, um, where can the people find you? I mean, you're on, uh, of course, uh, on richandresilient.com. Sorry, richandresilientliving.com. And where else are you? Where, how, can they, uh, how can the listeners connect with you? Sure. So I'm also on Instagram at rich underscore resilient. And I have a Facebook page that's at rich resilient. Okay, very good. So Laura, it was uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on and glad to have um, brought some new perspective to the to the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad I could bring it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you find it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend. Or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And on that note, Valerie, thank you for your review. I really appreciate it. And now, as usual, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, SRI and ESG funds produce comparable returns to conventional investing options. So SRI stands for Socially Responsible Investing and ESG, Environmental, Social and Governance. You already know about financial capital, but social capital is crucial as well and the foundation of our society. Number two, investing more consciously means taking a broader look at return. In addition to your financial return, you can reduce the negative impact on the planet and improve a community's quality of life. The triple bottom line is an accounting framework focusing on people, planet and profit. Number three, a few alternative investment examples. So we have the American homeowner preservation type of investment. This helps to keep the people in their home. So we get a financial return and a people return. Another example that is Farm Together, who was as well on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So we have environmental sustainable practices, people benefiting from healthy food and a less degraded planet, and investors who also reap financial benefits. So here we have people, planet, and profit. Number four, money management for spending. Think about what are you buying and where? Do you really need it? What is the impact of your purchase on people and the planet? How can you reduce consumption? And we also spoke about B corporations. So the companies that are certified to have observed the triple bottom line. And the good thing is that you can buy their products with only minor changes in your habits and your wallet. A few examples are Ben and Jerry's, yes, the ice cream, the body shop, Alpo, which I named, the Ely Coffee, Patagonia, and there are many more. 
Next, your money is not sleeping in your bank account, you know, like in the Wall Street movie, money never sleeps. You can also transfer your money to a socially responsible bank, for example, or a credit union. On investing, you can practice shareholder advocacy to voice your opinion on company decisions. You can reach out to your mutual fund manager, or you can do that through shareholder advocacy groups, such as, as you saw in the US, ShareAction in the UK and Europe. And actually, there's a whole network of these companies, which I linked in the show notes. And obviously, as we mentioned before, you can invest in SRI and ESG funds, which are developing at a fast speed. And last but not least, it's more a, it's more a food for thought rather than a key takeaway. But do you agree with Laura? Is social capital really the most resilient form of capital? Let me know. I'll be curious to hear your opinion. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.